stood tooth and through. Fulfill ye my joy that you be like unto, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. And let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowest of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ's hands. Amen. Amen. Ruth didn't stop there. Who, being in the form of God, called God, brought him to be equal with God, and made himself with no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found fashion, found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, whereby wherefore God also highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every nation bow of things in heaven and things in earth and under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory of God. Are doing. 
I know some people that I know say, but well, you and I said that we don't observe sacraments. So yeah, the church has two sacraments, and, and most churches will go to their doctrinal statement, and they'll say, see here, there's the sacrament, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, there's the sacrament of water baptism. And I go, no, no, neither one of those that we observe. When you look at the definition of sacrament, you realize that it is a physical means of imparting God's grace. That's what a sacrament is. It's the physical means of imparting God's grace. Wikipedia says that a sacrament is a channel of God's grace. I'm here to tell you that there is nothing humanly speaking that you or I could do that would channel God's grace. Amen. It has already been poured out on Calvary's cross. It has already been proven by the fact that the tomb is empty. It has already been demonstrated by the fact that you by faith have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not anything you can do. There's an article in a uh, magazine called Core Christianity that says that that sacrament, that, that through these sacraments we receive grace. That the Holy Spirit applies the benefits of salvation through the sacraments. Folks, I don't have enough time here today to tell you all that's wrong with that statement. Again, there's absolutely nothing we can do according to learned religions, which is another site. It says that Christ Jesus acts through sacraments to communicate His grace. There's not enough time today for me to tell you what all went wrong with that statement. Here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship, the reason that we observe the Lord's Supper is not because we consider it a sacrament, something that we are doing in order to call down God's grace. It's not because we think God is up in heaven for home. God's grace in this entirety was bestowed upon you the moment that said, Lord, I believe that you died for my sins, that you were buried, that you rose again. And by faith, I trust Christ Jesus as my Savior. And there is nothing else you can do to gain God's faith more than believing that truth. There's a story that I heard years ago. I don't think it's so. I heard a story years ago about a new church building that was built. And the congregation, they were so excited about getting this new church built. And they put a sign over that church's door. And the sign said, we preach Christ crucified. 
church grew. The church had people flocking to hear God's word proclaimed and preached. We preach Christ crucified. Well, someone along the way planted some ivy right next to the church. Thinking, well, that's going to make it great And they planted some ivy right in the front door. And the years kind of went by, and the church grew, and that ivy started growing. And before long, that ivy kind of climbed up the side of the church the way ivy does. And before long, it covered up one of the words. And it just said, we preach Christ. Well, I'm here to tell you, that church lost quite a bit of its effectiveness and its power. Because what people need to hear is more than just we preach Christ, but we preach Christ crucified. It's imperative that a church hears that Christ Jesus shed His blood on Calvary's cross. And I underline His blood. That is what we emphasize. We emphasize the crucifixion. As a matter of fact, when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, a very dangerous, carnal congregation, he says, when I came among you, I came only to teach and preach Christ and Him crucified. Because that's what was going to see lives change. That was going to determine a growth in that setting. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. We need to understand that here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship, we preach Christ crucified. We emphasize His blood. No one else's blood would be able to atone for my sin or your sin. Romans chapter 3. Look at verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. Through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. It's His blood. No, no one else's no one else's blood would have qualified. No one else's blood. And every Christmas we emphasize the virgin birth because we need to understand that it is His blood. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Justified by blood? Or His blood? It's His blood. Look at Ephesians. Sort of start seeing a theme, you know. Ephesians chapter 1. 
Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of the grace. You remove the crucifixion of Christ. You no longer have good news for this present dispensation of grace. In His blood, you cannot remove the crucifixion. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Starting with verse 14. Colossians 1 verse 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Drop down to verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have He reconciled. How did He do that? Through His blood. Only His blood. Would be able to accomplish my salvation, your salvation. First, one more. First Peter. First Peter chapter one, verse nineteen. Also, verse eighteen. For as much, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ is a land without blemish and without spot. If you enjoy salvation today, and you do by faith and trust in Christ, it came about because of His shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, there is no remission of sin. The life of the flesh, according to Leviticus 17, the life of the flesh is in the blood. All the prescribed animal sacrifices were all types of that ultimate payment for the wages of sin. The death of Christ at the cross where payment was made for your sins. All the animal sacrifice pointed to that death. It was a type to make sure that we understood what was required in order for payment to be made in full. But it had to be His one. The aspect of the gospel that we preach here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. You cannot leave out the death. Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15. You want to know what Paul's gospel is? I'm going to show you what Paul's gospel is. Because God wants us to know it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Moreover, brother, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and where you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep 
remember what I preached unto you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for your sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He arose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That is the Gospel. That's Paul's Gospel. The truth of the matter is, when we preach about God's great grace and His dispensation of grace, when we suggest that you rightly divide the word of truth, the only way you understand the Scripture, where you have to start is understanding that that is the saving gospel for today. The amazing work of Christ on Calvary's cross. You show me a church that fails to mention the blood. You show me a church that fails to preach the crucifixion. I'll show you a church that is in big trouble regardless of the numbers and attendance, regardless of their budget. Show me a church that's embarrassed and don't want to bring out all the blood and the sacrifice and the agony and the payment. Then I'll show you a church that's in dire straits. So back in our that I kept growing and then it covered up. We preached Christ. All of a sudden the crucified disappeared. We preach Christ. Okay, that's what I mean. We wouldn't be a church that preaches Christ. But what are you going to preach about Christ? Right? Because that's a broad range. What are we going to preach? What are we going to declare about who Jesus Christ is? Do we preach that He is God? Do we give you a hand? Yes, most Do we preach that He is divine? God incarnate? Absolutely. Or, as I was reading here recently, that He was a great psychologist really ahead of his time, who had an antenna for hypocrisy. Their words are mine. Who hated the establishment and paved the way for accepting the poor and the downtrodden and expressing love, intolerance, and all that kind of stuff. What do we preach about Christ is absolutely imperative. And a lot of modern churches do preach Christ, but they preach Him as a great example. Well, I didn't need a great example. I need the one to say I didn't. Well, he's, he was a great teacher, and we can learn much from his earthly ministry and his teachings. I, I don't need a great teacher. I need someone who qualifies to die for my sins, to redeem me from my sin. And the part about being a great teacher, and I've never talked to some of these guys, 
and you know, you want to ask them. It, they, they emphasize the Lord's earthly ministry. And in 1 Corinthians 5, 16, I think it is, you know, Paul, he was talking about how we don't know no man after the whole context is about the Lord Jesus. And we know no man after the flesh. In other words, we we serve, we glorify, we worship, we express the glorified Lord, the head of the body. The emphasize is not his earthly ministry, it's his glorified ministry as he's working in our daily lives. But I asked him, he's a great teacher, so What, what are you going? Are you going to obey the part where he says he taught them to sell everything they had and give it to the poor? Of course, I'm, I'm not going to go that far. Are you going to follow his teaching where he says we, we just want to stress his love and, and his forgiveness for the other? We do too. His love and his forgiveness. Well, what about the part where he says, I did not come to bring peace with a sword? How do you explain that? Well, well, I... He's a great teacher, yet he tells them that if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, chop it off. Hey, let's do a thorough study of what our Lord and Savior taught and they will be quick to want to get out of the Gospels because they'll learn really fast that it has everything to do with the tribulation, preparing them for the tribulation. Can I stand up here and tell each and every one of you to not think about where you're going to live, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear? And when you leave here, just don't worry about all that. That's what he taught his disciples. You got to bring the right word to understand what was going on. So when we preach and teach Christ, and we do, you better understand the importance of making sure you teach the Lord Jesus Christ of Scripture, not tradition of man, the way they tried to bring it out. You don't preach about Christ. We preach Christ. There's a fast difference. Can I say it again? We don't preach about Christ. We preach Christ. There's a vast difference. We can know about Him, but that doesn't equate to knowing Him personally. There are a lot of folks, unfortunately, there are a lot of folks in the pulpit that know about him. They're not in him. You remember years ago, you used to get a little bracelet. Remember that you got a little bracelet that would say, WWJD, what would Jesus do? 
And I think a lot of this falling away kind of started with that. And everybody had them on, and, and it, it was supposed to remind you of something that would happen in your life. Uh, something would come up, and you would look at that bracelet and go, oh, yeah, what would Jesus do? See, and I think from that, so I think, I'm going to make sure I say this one. The Lord Jesus was not simply a moral cause. The Lord Jesus is not simply a spiritual advisor. What would Jesus do? I think it's more appropriate to get a wear a bracelet like that for it to say, Deputy JD, what did Jesus do? That's the reminder we need when we face different difficulties and temptations and things coming out of our life. As a reminder, it's the reason we observe the Lord's Supper as a reminder of what Christ Jesus did on our behalf. The ivy continued to grow. Before long, it just said, we preach. If you can imagine the church's message started shrinking, church's effectiveness started to suffer. Before long, you had a church that was open to anything, anything that a secular world endorses. The church would say, "Come on in, just come on in." Everything to from yoga classes. <laughs> But from young classes to political involvement of both parties, where their focus, their attention changes from the cross and what Christ accomplished and what God's Word tells us that He did on our behalf and the desire He has to conform us to the image of His Son, all of a sudden their focus is on everything that the world desires to offer. Trying to get you to embrace. We preach, but why do you preach? All of a sudden, your message is such sounding brass and tangling symbols. You know, I can really understand. And the eye kept on Before long, the sign just said, We. Better get ready. 
Christ was crucified. He was buried. He rose again. He's coming again. You better get ready. That's the message that we want to herald. We want to scream to a lost and dying world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul makes sure the church there in Corinth, the very carnal church, understood why they came together. They would come together for these love feasts. And they would do a whole lot of eating before they'd get into their worship and their service. And during the service, they would have what we call the Lord's Supper. But before that, they would come together with these love feasts. And to begin with, it was uh, people would share. The, their status and their wealth didn't matter. But before all, all that changed, and all of a sudden, Paul is talking to them about correcting some would come and eat too much and, and have too much and others wouldn't have anything and they would keep it to themselves. That's why we have potlucks. See, that's where you report that. You want something and we can share with everybody and, and that's God. That's good. But that's not the Lord's Supper. That's not communion. That's what Paul was making sure they understood. What you are doing is wrong don't do it. Here's what the Lord delivered unto me. Here's what we do. And when you do this, here's why you do it. Because you do show the Lord's death until He comes. I'm here to tell you that I believe that the song A lot of people sing it. It says that when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Have you heard that song? It's a powerful song. People say, well, that's kind of stretching me a little bit. I, he was fine. I, I so. I'll tell you this. My salvation was on his mind. His purpose for hanging there was so that one day Richard Allen Allison would come to the point in his life that he would be so convicted of his sins that he would hear that Christ died, was buried, and rose again for him, that by faith he would trust in the one who did that on his behalf. And I dare say everyone you hear this morning came to that same point in your life. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. All the pain he endured, the agony he suffered in order to buy your redemption was because of his amazing love. In order, in order that Christ Jesus might make you righteous before our holy and righteous God. Otherwise, you would fall short. It's more than just an earthly ministry. It's more than just looking at him as a great example. It's more than just trying to understand his teachings and how it changed the world. It's understanding that his body was broken. Not his body was broken. And that his blood spilled out. 
And if he absolutely, positively looked beyond my faults and he saw my need, and that need was met between heaven and earth as he hung on the cross. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And we think that you did look beyond our faults. Father, you took them upon yourself on Calvary's cross. Father, you exchanged your righteousness, which you have bestowed upon us. And you took our sin, our unworthiness, our guilt, that which separated us from God. But Father, you took upon yourself in order that we might be made the righteousness of God. And you, Father, we stand amazed. And we love you this morning for that glorious, marvelous salvation. So, Father, remind us each and every time that we observe the Lord's Supper, just exactly what it is that we are remembering as we praise your name for your death, your burial, your resurrection, as we thank you for the blood that flowed to purchase our redemption. Father, I pray this morning if there's anyone here that's never of faith trusted you, they'll realize that there is no sacrament, there is no work, there's no deed, there's absolutely nothing they can perform that can make you happy with their sin. For you never could be. But instead, when they realize that by faith you call them to trust and the one who paid it all. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Father, as we pause this morning, we don't do one with Mary Beth's family. Father, we thank you for Mary Beth. We thank you for her faithfulness. Father, we pray for Tim. We pray this very moment as his funeral is about to get started. Father, would you just wrap that entire family up in your, in your peace, in your arms, in your love. Father, may they understand that peace that passes understanding. Father, we rejoice that her dad knew you and he's safe at home. What joy that brings us. We rejoice with him. We grieve with Mary Beth, but we rejoice with his own Pray for Jeannie this morning. Pray for Shirley. We pray for Darlene's family. Father, right now, is, this is probably going to be the longest week of your lives. It's going to be the most difficult weeks of your lives. But Father, as we gather next Sunday, May 8th, 